This week's episode is brought to you by The Age of Charity, a Twilight Imperium C4 charity event for the Central Coast Kids in Need charity. We have raffle tickets on sale in our Discord. Links are in our show notes. Roll well. All right, girls and boys, the pairings are done and the rounds are up. C4 Squad presents the Rounds Are Up podcast, a FFG board game podcast to get you gaming, chatting, learning, hanging out, and perhaps even hosting some rounds of Twilight Imperium. My name is Adam Brown. Welcome to the show. With me today is Matt. Matt, say hello. Hello. This is your overlord from the last TI4 podcast uh, coming to you again today uh, to sprout the uh, benefits of joining my galaxy. Uh, may we live long and prosper for a long time to come. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Live long and prosper. I haven't heard that before. And as well oh. with us today, this wouldn't be a TI podcast without Dan. Hey, everyone. Uh, pleasure to be back talking Twilight Imperium. Last uh, last podcast that we did for Twilight was uh, pretty fun, pretty electric. So it's good mm-hmm. to be back in the seat. Nah, fantastic to hear. Uh, before we get into TI, though, guys, we're going to talk today. We're going to talk everything TI. We have an upcoming charity event for TI. Got raffle tickets on sale for that. We're also going to talk. Uh, we're going to look at a, the Hakan unit. We're going to look at lessons learned from our last event. Talk up our next event. Talk up some TI strategy. And then answer some of your questions. But first, big shout out to our Patreons. They support everything we do. There's a link in the bio on how to join. We've got a couple of upcoming events. Of course, we've got a TI event on the 9th of September, a charity event for kids. Uh, Raffle tickets for sale. Join the Discord and find out more about that. CoastCon, where there is a world qualifier for X-Wing and a open Shatterpoint event. That's all the plugs for today. Dan, can you read out our beautiful patrons? Yeah, big shout out to our top tier Patreon members, Geonosian Drone Cal, Sith Lord Brendan, and Joel the Mad Titan. Thank you, fellas, for supporting C4. C4. All right. That's awesome to hear. All right. Let's get straight into it. We've got a massive episode. So let's get straight into View My Unit with Matt. Hey, uh, welcome back. Uh, This is the View My Faction segment of the show, and today we are talking about Emirates of Hakan. So for any of uh, you out there that have seen the box art for Twilight Imperium 4th edition, the Emirates of Hakan feature prominently, uh, and I guess they're the, what do you call them, the Simbas of the uh, TI universe? (laughs) <laughs> they're definitely simba yeah they definitely give yeah. us some simba maybe mufasa that, yeah maybe that sort of adult mufasa like you know end of lion king simba looking off into the distance sort of vibes or maybe that, <laughs> that lion from yeah that is a weird way for that movie to go like right at the end of lion king as you know simba comes and reclaims his territory he hops in a rocket and just shoots up and then starts the Emirates of Hakan. And yeah, it's, and it's just, now canon. <laughs> absolutely canon. And yeah, that's that's the Lion King 2. So it's a, the lesser known, <laughs> less popular 
Disney movie. <laughs> um, but funnily enough, he uh, he branched out into you know wheeling and dealing and trading. Uh, so yeah, I guess getting back to the Emirates of Akan, um, that is exactly what they do. So they're the premier trading faction of TI4. So they're all about uh, making that money um, and just spending it in whatever ways they can to get advantages. So I, I guess we have we can't go much further talking about Emirates of Akan about without talking about their big shtick, which is basically being able to trade with anyone at the table, um, regardless of whether they're neighbours or not. So this breaks a big cardinal rule in TI4 where you can only trade with neighbours that you are adjacent to um, with ships. But the Emirates of Akan um, can do that across the table, can do it right from the start of the game. And they actually break another one of the cardinal rules in that they can trade action cards. So this is the only faction in the game and this is the only way that any players can actually trade action cards across the table. So they can certainly uh, create some havoc and uh, really get some interesting sort of discussions going on at the table. So what kind of things can you trade in a game of TI? Uh, so generally speaking, there's two primary things that can be traded. Uh, so they are commodities or trade goods, and the other ones are promissory notes. So those promissory notes are, are basically like promises um, that give the person that you're trading with some sort of benefit or power. All right, and, ex and you'll usually exchange those in term for, you know, diplomatic advantage or positioning on the board, or maybe you just need your own trade goods as well. So being able to trade those, those additional uh, action cards, and I believe uh, they can actually trade whole planets as well as one of their special abilities later in the game uh, can be quite the game changer. What kind of things can you buy with such ability to trade? Uh, the Hakan is just get rolling in money. They're rolling in trade goods. So mm -hmm. the number one thing that they, they tend to spend their money on is ships, plain and simple. So for, for a faction that doesn't seem to be a, a faction that focuses on warfare and, and getting in and, and beating up their neighbours, they certainly can do that just because they have so much money to sort of bankroll their war effort. So they can throw a couple of ships in. They may not be as strong as, you know, your, your neighbours, but it's so easy for them to just next turn build up an entire fleet again from the ground up just because they have so much money. I do like wow. the, okay. uh, the flagship's ability for the Hakan, where it's basically throw money at the problem and increase your dice roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you miss? Uh, money will fix that. Our, our good friend Cam has a saying about TI, and I think nothing is more re like more relevant than when you're talking about amateur Hakan where everything is for sale and nothing is for free. And what the Emirates of Akan allow you to do is buy anything. So if you don't want someone to attack you, maybe there's an amount of money you can give them for them not to attack you. Or maybe you want them, or maybe you want someone else to attack someone else. Or maybe there's an amount of money that you can spend to make that happen. That's the cool thing about TI is that, you know, you, there is an ability, there's six real players at the table and you can, pay people to do things like that for you <laughs> what um what do you think their play style is uh matt like is it is it really that economy growing or is it and then you know building fleets or, or how would you see an akan player like kind of utilize their abilities 
typically in the games I've played, it, it's very much focused on that economy and that trade. So being able to trade across the table and being able to, I guess, I guess that's one of the other play styles for this is not only are they trading for themselves, but they can trade for others as well. So they can sort of be the broker between two players at the table that may not necessarily themselves be uh, neighbours. And they uh, always tend to find a way to get some little kickbacks from that to build their own wealth. So I would typically see that Hakan is involved in, you know, all sorts of trade negotiations, building up their wealth a little at a time or maybe a big part of a big bit at a time. Um, and then, yeah, it's just stockpiling uh, units in the background just for that big push that they need at, at certain points of the game. So what kind of things can we do to kind of, I guess, limit Hakan's influence if you're if you're against them on the table? <laughs> Don't trade with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I have been very vocal for a long time that Hakan is, is not one of my favourite factions, um, purely just because they have that ability to, to break the game um they not only in creating their own wealth but they can actually create a lot of wealth for their for the neighbors as well um which can cause some some sizable you know beef ups at, at earlier points in the game so where we would see you know action or, or combat starting maybe rounds three or four may start rounds two or three as people can afford to buy the ships that they need to or you know buy extra command tokens through their trade goods so they're, um, they definitely facilitate a lot of action across the table and they seem to be involved in everything. So not not one of my favourite factions. And I actually have a good example from a game I, I played a little while ago in that in the agenda phase of that game, uh, I think I was actually poised to, to pull out a victory at the end of that agenda phase. Now, one of the abilities that the Hakan has is that they can actually use their trade goods to buy votes. So the fact that they can trade with every person at the table, they can amass their trade goods. They uh, were able to to outbid me basically just buying all the votes, which uh, I definitely did not see coming. And <laughs> hey, you got you got to win. Hey, you got to win. You know, you got to get to use those points. You got to use that cash. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, it's just going to burn a hole in your pocket. So I may as well buy it to outbid somebody else. So it was now, it was a fair play by that player. To finish off with a card, I want to talk about Quantum Data Hub Node. At the end of the strategy phase, which is when you're picking your cards, so like picking the cards before the rounds, you may spend one token from your strategy pool and give another player three trade goods, which is nothing to Hakan. If you do, give one of your strategy cards to that player and take one of their strategy cards. This three yellow prerequisite yellow tech is a game changer at the end of the at the end of that at you know, towards the end of the game swapping imperium or you know getting to go first huge huge uh huge ability how do you rate it dan is it a must it's uh it's pretty good like you said it's it's game changing like a lot of those games that it comes down to that final moment where can i get imperium to finish the game off well i'll just uh trade for it <laughs> three dollars <laughs> what about you matt is it a is it a necessary tech for hakan absolutely as you said three trade goods is nothing to hakan they they've got 
agents that give them, you know, four trade goods at a go. They've got actions that give them two trade goods for doing nothing. Like three trade goods is nothing. And I guess at the end of the game, when you've got a couple of people vying for for victory in that last round and they just need that one point and that one specific action or strategy card, being able to just guarantee that you get it is can be game-breaking. So definitely probably one of the best faction techs, if not the best tech in the game. Said from Matt himself, Grand Arbiter Matt, leader of the universe, defender of the universe. Mm. All right, guys. Well, be- <laughs> that was that was view my unit, and now it's time to get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, which is our upcoming TI event. Uh, so, Dan, you you are the host. You are the owner of this event. You're the person running. You know, really pushing it. You're the kind of leader with everyone trying to help out. Dan, what, what what brought this on and what brought it on to make it a charity event? Well, Twilight Imperium is something that I think all of us have just been wanting for quite some time now. Uh, there's been murmurs of it uh, a lot of the uh, at a lot of the C4 events. And yeah, I think we've just really just dived into it. The past three months, we had the uh, the last one in July. And this one coming up in September, it's just, um, I think Twilight Imperium is poised to really become a prominent uh, space within C4. So yeah, yeah, we've got 24 players. So that's a, that's a huge turnout for this event and it's going to be pretty wild. And I know we, no, go Matt, go. Oh, sorry. Sorry, everyone. I know we were looking at, we said we were going to get 80 players last time, Dan. Uh, we, you want to let everyone know why we had to cut that number down to 24? Oh, yes. Well, we did actually have 80 signed up for it, but mm-hmm. we just thought it's, it's best if we just keep it to 24. We'll, we'll save the 81 for the next event, you know, <laughs> keep, keep this one kind of close knit, quite personal. So. Yeah, you don't want to be a victim of our own success and grow too quickly. <laughs> exactly. I, I I still think twenty four is an absolutely massive achievement. Uh, with with anything like this, especially because it's you know not only that it's a charity event it's towards the end of the year. No, I think you guys should be really proud of the numbers that you're pulling. Dan, what charity did you choose, and and what kind of what brought it along? Um, hosting a charity event has been something that C4 has wanted to do for a while now. Um, we're a very community-focused uh, group, so we like to really put on these like grand events and try to give back as much as possible to our community. Um, so I, I think we've done that pretty well for Legion, and I think it was time that we kind of gave back to the broader community, um, the Central Coast. So hosting a charity event like this and supporting a fantastic charity like the Central Coast Kids in Need is um, something I think we're all a bit uh, keen to do. So, yeah. 100%. Why did you choose the Central Coast Kids in Need? I think think it's important to support charities that kind of really give back to the community. Um, I know, I know there are a lot of fantastic charities and it it was very hard to pick a charity to support, but, um, when doing the research into what charities we could support, 
we just found that the Central Coast Kids in Need, uh, they it's a complete volunteer organization. They give back 100% of the proceeds that they make through donations. Um, they're, they're consistently uh, running fantastic events and they're giving back to children that are suffering from severe illnesses and supporting those families and the children during really hard times. So I, I think personally for myself, it was near and dear to my heart to support uh, kids during their hard times. So, yeah. No, I can't think of a better charity, especially when, when you, when you kind of showed us the charities that you were thinking about or, or this one in particular, and you said they give 100% of what they, what they make back. It's just a yes then and there because there's so many charities that, that don't and these, these guys doing that is, is great to hear. And, you know, hopefully even just, you know, this event could raise awareness for the, for the Central Coast kids in need. And, you know, even if you don't come to the event, and even if you don't go on the raffle, you know, hopefully you can find them on your own way and you know, give whatever you can. That'd be amazing. So with you guys running your last event, what did you like learn any lessons? Because like we do talk about events on this podcast a lot, especially with our uh, wargaming stuff. But did you guys learn any uh, lessons from the last event that you're implementing for this upcoming event? Matt? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to talk over people. Uh, uh, personally, I didn't learn any lessons, but uh, collectively, I think we learned a few. Um, so I think it was more more the administration side. So I think, and, and Dan, I guess, can talk to this as well because he's the primary driver of this in that the communication with our players is is strong, consistent, uh, and is clear in what our, I guess, expectations for the event are. So we didn't have anyone turn up to the event that wasn't aware of what they were doing, what they were playing, who they were playing with, and what they were sort of doing. So I think in terms of things that we did well, and I know that's not the question, but in things we did well, I think our communication is, is fantastic. Um, but one thing that sort of stood out to me and, and being our first being the first time i've been involved in a sort of board game event is uh i guess we didn't really leave enough time or, or plan enough time to be able to set up at the start of the day so the event uh sort of finished up after about eight hours which for a couple of games of ti is is pretty reasonable i must say but we could have i guess been a little bit more concise on you know, that setup stage of the day and getting everyone sort of together at the same time and making sure the tables were ready to go once everyone got there. So I know that um, Dan and I sort of thought and, and got a little bit distracted as people were coming in, really excited to play the first game of TI, sort of showing people what the components were, um, which was great. And it's, it was really nice to feed into that excitement as everyone was setting up, but it certainly made the morning a lot more of a slog and, and took a little bit longer so i think that's something that we're looking at for this this next event is that you know plan around the setup make sure that's all schmick and that when people are, are sort of turning up and rocking up they're not just looking at individual game pieces they're looking at you know four complete galaxies ready to be dominated so that's i think <laughs> one of the <laughs> well i don't know that's my plan i don't, I don't know what anyone else is, has yeah. planned but um that's that's sort of the one takeaway i took uh what about you dan yeah so again just what did we do well um 
I know it wasn't the question, but uh, up, boys. The, communication, <laughs> the, the communication was fantastic. I think um, a lot of the people that have come to past C4 events know that we like to set up uh, event chat groups and kind of drive some hype every every Friday usually. Um, and I think that's that's a like a main uh, uh, driving point for these chat groups um, in the lead up to Twilight is like we have so much to really talk about, um, especially for Twilight. We've, we've got maps, uh, we've got factions, uh, we've had the speaker auction as well. So there's been a lot specifically for this um, in the lead up, which yeah, has been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's always exciting as well. <laughs> sorry, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, sorry, Dan. I was just say the communication has been really great, and you know, but a big part of the game and a lot of the fun for me, and that's one of the things we're coming into, is the banter that happens at the table, um, and it's been really nice with the communication that that banter has actually started pre-game <laughs> before anyone sort just... of stepped foot in the club, where everyone's yep. you know talking up trades and talking up you know alliances <laughs> and who's space friends with who. Uh, as a heads up for anyone at table two, I'm space friends with everyone. Uh, <laughs> no, you've you've already made it very clear that you and Dan are little space friends. You went, you you outbid <laughs> me on the uh, speaker auction together. You've, it's been, you've made it very clear <laughs> who my enemies am across the table from you. <laughs> that that was actually a pretty fun uh, fun part of this event in particular because it was for charity. We decided to. Um, kind of create uh, engagement activities to kind of drive uh, profit and funds raised for the charity. So normally in a game of Twilight Imperium, you just roll a dice and figure out who the starting player was. But this time around, we decided to auction off the speaker. <laughs> and that uh, In the first couple of days, there wasn't too much happening. There was a few bids here and there, but towards the end, it kind of really just got bit crazy especially for table two uh between adam and myself uh we kind of created these like uh, a, a bidding war in the last hour of the uh auction and yeah it was pretty intense <laughs> but but tell everyone the truth dan you had a bit of a coalition a coalition of people against me <laughs> i didn't realize yeah, so... I thought it was just me and you buddy like i didn't realize it was, i didn't realize i had to get a backer well it it was you and I, and then you brought in Lachlan, uh, openly discussing oh, it in the event chat. I I and that. I was like, well, if that's how you want to play it, that's how we'll play it. So I secretly sent out a few messages to Matt and Rob uh, in the chat and managed to convince them to throw some funds uh, towards the auction. And yeah, the auction ended up going to a hundred dollars which is absurd but fantastic for the charity so i think in total we raised 190 dollars just from the auction itself so that was fantastic what is the target for the auction what is the target sorry for the charity what are we what are we trying to aim for on the day uh we've set the goal of a thousand five hundred dollars and already with two weeks still to go we're at 972 dollars which is 64.8 percent of our goal which is, is incredible. insane. That's insane. Are we going to get like a big check written up to like, you know, Central Coast Kids <laughs> in Need, C4 Squad? You know, if we can make that happen, I, I think we should. 
Okay, uh, we'll see what we can do. We'll, we'll talk off air. Uh, so, is there is there a way that people can donate that aren't able to play on the day, Dan? Yes. Yeah, so we've got the fundraiser set up using uh, the PayPal, um, oh, one of their charity systems. But yeah, people can go to the fundraiser page. We'll link it in the um, all the plugs and everything. And yeah, if you want to support the charity, 100% of the funds donated go directly to the charity. So it's an excellent way to support the event, even if you're not able to attend as well. You can also purchase raffle tickets. Ooh, what's in the raffle? (laughs) We have got a huge raffle (laughs) and I mean huge. Um, A big shout out to our sponsors, uh, Good Games Australia. Good Games, Gosford, Games Empire, and yours truly, the Central Coast C4. Um, we've got we've got two copies of Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition, huge. <laughs> we've got a copy of Twilight Imperium Prophecy of Kings, huge, and then we've got a enormous assortment of just board games to uh, raffle up on the day. So it's going to be a, a huge raffle. Yeah, that is gonna that's gonna be so much fun. Yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait to see. I can't wait to win myself some TI and then find eight people, six people to play with and have a good time. <laughs> um, so what other lessons did you guys learn from, from from the last event, Matt? What else have you got for us? Uh, I guess the other two things from me, uh, again around setup, were just. You know, inevitably with these sorts of events, things happen on the day and, and people may need to drop. So I, I don't think we had a clear enough plan as to what we would do with dropped players. Um, so do you mean, so I think, do you mean drop before the event or during? Uh, before the event. Yeah, before the event. So, you know, thing, things happen, disasters strike and you're not able to make it the, to these events. Uh, and that's fine. But we, I, I guess I didn't plan well enough to, to accommodate that. So... I think going forward, we just take the uh, the simple approach of we just eliminate that slice from the game. We play with a little bit of a modified map, uh, which is e- simple enough to do, um, and it just eliminates the the need to find an extra player with that has eight hours to spare with fifteen minutes before we start the game. If if a player drops from let's just say two players drop from table two, mm-hmm. would you do a reshuffle? Maybe move someone uh, from another table up, or would you, or like where does that where would where would like a reshuffle come into thing? So I think if we were to lose more than more than two, so in our first uh, in our first event, we did have a table that did lose two players, um, and they were were still happy enough to play with four. So that four players still plays really well, uh, and I think a big part of it is that we've spent weeks and weeks sort of building that banter and that competition amongst the people at your table. So to have to reshuffle uh, so soon, you can lose a lot of the build-up and the hype that you have going into the event. So I would think that where possible, we would try to avoid that uh, unless we were to lose sort of too many players on the day, in which case, yeah, well, you would, it would Hopefully benefit. we don't. Like, yeah, looking at like last time, it was only two, and that's hopefully we can keep it under two this time. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, these things are inevitable, but yeah, just having that plan just in case that happens is just makes things nice because it was it was pretty horrible on the day to to realize that we had a couple of people unable to make it, and that may impact the the gameplay and the fun that others are having. 
uh, at their own table. So um, just having that idea going forward and straight into it just means that there's a clear plan if, if something was to happen. No, it's a good call. It is, it is interesting, though, uh, coming from like wargaming background where people are very invested in, in, the, in the system. So, for instance, like when I go to a tournament, I've got a painted army, I've got a bag, I've got, you know, I, I bring extra stuff for other people. You know, Dan needs to borrow some snipers, Nick needs to borrow some snipers, whatever. He's you, cutting out his cards on the way down to CanCon. Exactly, yeah. Like, <laughs> the, back of your cards. the back of my car, cutting out cards. But got the craft so studio going. I'll see you about the TI day. And, like, other than a bottle of water, I'm not bringing anything to the TI day. It's going to feel... It's going to feel very odd. So I, I can, I can, I think it's incredible that the hype that you guys have built around the event, especially the last one, to only have two people drop, I think is absolutely incredible because unlike, you know, with, with Legion or Shatterpoint or X-Wing, there's no, they haven't, they haven't pre-invested in the system. Like a lot of people are rocking up with, you know, their, their phone, their wallet, their keys and ready to, ready to have a beer. So no, I think, I think, what happened last time was incredible, and I can't wait to see what happens on the day this time. What, like, what are some of like the differences, Dan? Like that you've you've kind of learned between running, yeah, you know, a lot of Legion events. You know, you, you've you've run X Wing events, you've run Legion events, and now you've run TI events. What is like the major differences on the actual day between the two, war games and board games? Um, there isn't too many differences um a lot of the similarities uh pull from each event so i think hosting all those legion events and c4 events have really kind of just uh made the ti events what they are um a lot of the players really just like you said they just come in and they're eager to play um probably a, a lot of thanks to a lot of that communication leading up to it which we've learned uh, from hosting all those past C4 events. So yeah, players just rock up and happy to... It, Twilight Imperium, especially, because it is such a huge game, um, it doesn't really see a lot of table time for a lot of people. So it might be more special for them to have this opportunity to play. So I think they appreciate it a lot going into it. Yeah, yeah. That's really... Yeah, that's a good thing to say. Yeah, 100%. I, uh, it is definitely my favorite board game. Like, I was saying, I was talking to someone the other day. They said, Oh, would you rather play a tournament of Legion or would you rather play a tournament of TI? And I said, TI. <laughs> Just, I didn't even think about it. Like, I'd rather have one 100%. game. I'd rather play one game of TI than, than a whole tournament or a two day tournament of Legion. And I love Legion, but. Uh, TI is fantastic. When when TI is on point, it's on point. You can't really have a bad game of TI, I find. No. What what makes it so special for you, Adam? For me, it's it's six people, like like so myself, five other people, coming together to play a like almost like a computer game, like a four X computer game, where yes, everyone can do the same things. Obviously, a little bit of like not too much asymmetrical stuff. Like most people could do the same thing. So you can kind of have an understanding of what everyone's doing. But this the decision-making process for some people, the fact that you can, like, talk to people and make deals and trick them and, like, lie to them or you can fully trust them. 
I, it, it, it's the human element that you don't get from any other game. Like, that's just for me. What, what about you, Dan? What's, what's your favorite thing about CI? Yeah, I, I think it is definitely that interaction with the players and how just each game can be so different. Like, no no two games of TI are the same because of it. I think last event in particular was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, like, I've never had a game where there had been that much plastic just being thrown across the table in just all these space combats and just negotiations you're my friend now nope no longer friends <laughs> it was just <laughs> so much back and forth it's crazy i loved it what about yourself matt uh for all the same reasons um i just just the variability of the game so the human element just brings so much but it's just built into the game as well right like there's 25 asymmetrical factions like they're not radically different but they each do their little different things like hakan that we talked about earlier breaks the game by being able to trade with any person at the table and that feels like such a small thing but it just changes the the experience that you have like for everybody at that table in that game and you really feel the difference when certain factions are played or not played so we could see the necrovirus who you know don't participate in the traditional way in the agenda phase but they sort of eat technology off other players that just changes the flow of the game again so there's just so much variability in the the setup of the game the way that the map is created so we we uh, represent sort of i guess a a pre-generated map that we make before the event but that's certainly not the only way that you can play the the game we could have set that up like almost an infinite number of ways with infinite number of different faction choices and every single table and every single person would sort of come away with a different experience. And that's, that's the big thing for me. Why, what, blah, 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 blah. Why is, where do you get the most amount of success from TI? Now I understand like there's only going to be one winner, but how do you, what do you do to ensure that you having either a very good game OTI by like you know at, at the table they're having a good game. How what what things should a player do to make sure that they're they're ready for a game of TI like preparedness? I guess if that should if, I'm, if that makes sense. Do your homework. <laughs> that sounds like such a silly thing to say for a board game, but but do your homework. Uh, the game is a long game, eight hours plus sitting together with you know five other five other people, uh, going in blind for a game that is not necessarily complicated, but uh, I guess complex in that there's so many different systems and moving parts can really, I guess, slow down the experience for you and for others at the table. So do your homework, read up on your faction, read up on the rules, watch the learn to play videos, join in, you know, Adam Brown's learn to play sessions, which have been fantastic. Um, just do your homework. I don't think they're my learn to play sessions. With uh, you, you've come in and you've done such so much of a better job than I could have. <laughs> I was, oh, mate. I was so sick the first one I run. I was so sick, and I just oh, had, I was no. like, I was like, Matt, you take over, mute, throw up, <laughs> like I'm bad. Uh, you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. I was happy just to be that little voyeur in the background, just watching you do your little thing. So, but. But those have been fantastic just to get those those newer players not only learning the game but i guess just engaging with the c4 community as well which has just been fantastic to see 
Um, and I know those players that, that came along in those days were just grateful to have uh, the people that involved are involved in C4 just reach out and, and want to lift them up and, and make them part of the game ahead of time rather than just you know try and bolster numbers for the day. It's I do think homework is, is 100% needed. And you're in a position where not only do you know your opening slice, you know who what faction that you have, you've probably got a good understanding of who else is at the table. You can build an opening strategy or multiple strategies. Now, you definitely can't build a round two strategy because you don't know what other people are going to do. Well, that first round, at least, you should have a pretty good idea what your first three or four turns are going to be in the game. You know, what you want to aim for, what your backup plan is. Is that something that you do, Dan? Or are you going in there going, whatevs? Uh, well, considering I spent $100 on the speaker auction, I would, I would hope that I had some sort of plan going into it. Um, <laughs> I've definitely got a few ideas. Um, I've, I've locked in the Nalu faction, uh, so the snakes. So I'm going to be up to some trickery this game. I'm looking forward to reading up what the snakes do. I couldn't even tell you what they do. <laughs> Who did you choose, Matt? Never you mind. <laughs> uh, for this game, I chose the the Empyrean. So it's something a little bit different for me. I talked about how I don't like Hakan and trading earlier. Uh, the Empyrean are probably one of the is probably the second best trading faction in the game. So they love their their economic advantage and. They like to barter, and their um, their special thing, which is a lot of fun, is that they break another one of the cardinal rules of the game in that traditionally you can't move into or through opponents' you know sectors without causing a combat. They actually break that rule. So you can actually allow people to move through your, your systems without starting a fight. So they can gain a lot of advantage economically that way by sort of trading movement for, for different... Uh, advantages on the board um, so it'll be interesting and I do like playing them so it'll be fun to get them onto the table again now guys I wanted to move into how can like it is an eight hour game and I wanted to talk about some things we can do to make the game a little bit quicker uh, you know other than things like doing your homework and having a plan I think one of the ways to make the game a little bit quicker is to actually put a clock on your agenda phase um I probably I would I maybe a five minute timer and to say we need to have the first agenda done within five minutes time ago kind of thing. I'm I'm looking at everyone would have to agree on that. That's not a hard and fast rule. But do you guys have any ways to try and make the game that little bit quicker? Uh, I personally love the <laughs> Adam. I personally love the agenda phase timer. I, I don't actually think I've ever actually played with it, but I've always been a fan of um, sort of keeping the game moving. So that's one of those things I've always wanted to try. Um, but I guess just knowing what your faction does, right? Like knowing what your plan is, knowing what your individual rules are uh, is such a big thing. Like there's so much variability in the game. Every table is different. Don't try and learn every other faction to start with. Learn your faction, know its strengths, know its weaknesses, know what you can do, and sort of play towards that. And uh, just remember, you're playing with, with six other people, so, you know, commit to a decision, whether it's right or wrong, and learn from any mistakes that may come from it. I think another one for me is that, especially in the early rounds, 
when when my part when you know the person before me goes okay i'm going to take this system that's next to my home system you can go <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. the next player can go but also and one thing i'm going to say at our table table two at the start of the day is it is your job to find the next person so because because ti doesn't play in a clockwise fashion you know it is random where the next person is it's up to the person who's just finished their turn to find the next person uh and if we can kind of keep the thing if you can do little things like that you know you're not wasting five minutes here ten minutes here i think it makes the day a little bit more crisp crispy yeah that's a uh, crispy crispy chicken uh, that actually crispy. sort of lends into <laughs> to what faction you're playing doesn't <laughs> yeah. it adam uh, the beautiful birds mate the, the beautiful fast birds fast moving hard hitting that's what i like mate one dot the one dollar chicken wings my the main fleet only cost me a dollar <laughs> and you can kill it as many times as you want because i'm going to have more dollars <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Look, I, I, it was a hard um, choice choosing a faction, but I had to go with someone that mm. I knew because I've got three players I need to take down. Yeah, I've got the coalition against the birds. I feel like you guys <laughs> are McDonald's against my KFC. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. We may not have a uh, secret chat to uh, allied against you. Ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh, I'll, ooh. I've sent you a message, Matt. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, well, I, better text, I better text the other guys at our table. <laughs> um. Dan, what about you, mate? Any any ideas to make the game a little bit quicker? Anything you're going to try and implement at our table to make the game quicker? I do like the idea of clocks. Um, coming from Star Wars Legion, um, I think you and I, we both have that uh, love for the clocks. Uh, definitely like to play a bit fast. So anything that we can do to encourage uh, the flow of the game is definitely appreciated. I don't know if I would use the clocks, but it's something that I would consider. I've brought, I'm bringing an egg timer. So I've got like, you know, with the sand trickles through, that's like a five minute egg timer that I was going to try and use for the agenda phase. Just so I could be like, hey, the agenda phase and go kind of thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think, think particularly the agenda phase. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's there's so much discussion that happens in the agenda phase. Like it, those agendas can you know ultimately flip the game on its head depending on what sort of flips up with the agenda. So there can be a lot of back and forth, but and it can stall the game out. So yeah, having that you know flow of of game and, and making sure that things continue forward is really important. Now, one last thing before we get into listener questions, let's talk about golden rules to remember while playing the game i think we should target one each matt what is a golden rule to remember when you're playing ti uh remember that you're space friends with the people next to you uh no no of course not no the the one golden rule for me is that you need to pay particular attention to timing so the majority of the action happens in the tactics phase the the, the tactical phase um and each person gets sort of one action so different components in the game will will have timing on them when they can activate so pay particular attention to what counts as an action what is like a response to something happening um, because that can eliminate sort of the number of options that you have available to you and, and speed up play again so you may have a handful of you know five action cards 
and consider each of them being able to be played, but you know, only two of them are available to play at any one time. So pay attention to timing, know when you can do things, know when you can't. Cool. What about you, Dan? What's a golden rule that you want to share with the masses? Oh, tough. Um, I would just say promissory notes are king. Do not Ooh, throw them oh, yes. away. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, they can okay. definitely sway a game. So definitely as a new player, don't undervalue what you've got. Um, everything is worth something and promissory notes are fantastic. Yeah, I might just add on to that if I can. Um, remember that promissory notes exist as well. They're valuable, but they also <laughs> exist. <laughs> Sometimes they're just that one forgotten component that gets left in the box and just doesn't exist in the game. So remember, everything's for sale and promissory notes are amongst them. For me, it's be very clear with what you're doing on your turns. You know, say I'm moving my carrier, etc., to this planet to do this and be very flexible with your opponents in the early rounds. So kind of those like turn one, you know, when you're just taking home territory, inevitably, inevitably someone will forget to take an extra trooper that they, they, they were supposed to take or, oh, I should have brought that fighter and they're not going to know that for a turn or two. Be flexible with that kind of stuff at the, in the first round and the second round, but like the flexibility like gets less and less as the game goes on. But I think it definitely in those early rounds when it really doesn't matter, just be flexible and uh, just in, let everyone enjoy their enjoy their times of TI. All right, guys. Well, that, I've that changed, sounds like a... Sorry, Adam. Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump in again. Can I change my golden rule? Sure, man. Yeah. We can, make, we can make it a silver rule if you like. You know, you can have it second place. No, no. This is the, this is the <laughs> this golden. This is the golden. This is the golden. <laughs> um, I guess this is less of a, a rules or gameplay thing, but for me and playing quite a few games, remember that it's a game and just have fun. Like intention, as you said, matters, but we're ultimately there not to, to mess around and, and to mess up other people's days. We're there to have fun. So, you know, nothing's personal. It's all in good fun. So just make sure to enjoy yourselves. Yeah. Just I've taken for everyone. No, I've taken your coalition very personally. <laughs> I was going to say, don't take it too personally when in round six, that just wipes out your home planet. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fun game, Adam. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's been known to happen. So. Let's not talk about home planets because we have the SAR on our table and we have the Necrovirus. So looking forward to the Necrovirus having forward docks. Let's make our way into listener questions. Now, I didn't write down the person who wrote this question. So thank you for writing in a question. What are the benefits of controlling Mechatol Rex, Matt? The influence. All right. It's the, the center of the galaxy. It's the center of everything. Um, so you are the most influential person on the table. I guess in game terms, though, it gives you a single planet. It's a single planet that is a 1-6 planet, meaning that it's one resource, but six influence. And six influence in this game is massive. Six Huge. influences, six votes in the agenda phase. Six influences, two command tokens when we're you're looking at the leadership strategy card. So it can buy you a lot. Um, not every faction gets the the maximum amount of benefit out of, you know, 
running over and controlling Mecha Toll. Not every faction will want Mecha Toll, uh, but it should be something that players sort of consider looking towards because it does give you such a benefit to have. And it gives you a victory point if you're the first person to claim it. Oh, there is that too. Yeah. <laughs> it does give you 10% of your victory points. <laughs> I wasn't letting that secret out. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, this next question is for you. Uh, this is from Nick Bennett, neighbor Nick. Having extensively been reading and watching rule videos for TI, do you think this level of prep will help a totally new player? Definitely. Um, I'd say for the last event, we had a pretty good mix of players, but predominantly most of them were actually new or just very little experience coming into the event. But all that preparation that we did in the lead up to it, it meant players were well organized. They, they did have a strategy going into the game. They knew exactly what table they were sitting at, what faction they were picking. Um, all that, all that preparation that they're doing is going to pay off tenfold on the day. And I think any, any videos that he watches now, he's going to be so thankful for. We had another question. Uh, again, I forgot to write on the player's name who asked, but they wanted us to review the pre-made maps for the charity event uh, and kind of talk about each slice. So I thought we'd do that very quickly and maybe even just maybe talk, maybe just hit on why some slices are more powerful than others. Matt, as the grand architect, your, anything to anything to note in the slices? Ooh, I like that. Uh, the slices, I've tried to make them a little bit asymmetric, being an asymmetric game, so they're not all the same. So some of the features that I looked towards sort of modifying as we went uh, was the amount of influence, the amount of resources, and whether they had any special features like wormholes or sort of any asteroid fields or nebulas or supernovas. So I tried to to make each of the systems a little bit variable to sort of necessitate engagement with other players. Um, but I guess very briefly fanging around the table, we got position one, uh, which is a little bit stock standard, but it does have two wormholes to get around to the, the rest of the table. Uh, position two um, is a little bit isolated, but it does have uh, a good yellow and red tech skip. Uh, position three uh, has is very resource heavy very light on uh influence barring one particular planet um, but very heavy on resources so I'd, I'd be watching out for them uh position four again another little isolated system um, but it does have that wormhole right next to mechatol rex uh position five which is is personally my favorite is very high on influence very high on resources uh, but it has a supernova blocking its way to mechatol so for those that haven't played the game before, supernovas uh, are basically impassable terrain. You can't go through them. You've got to go around them. Mm -hmm. um, so they can build up a lot of resources, a lot of influence, but they just have a, a difficult time getting around the board. Uh, and then position six uh, doesn't have any, any planets next to Mechatol, but they're the only system in the, uh, the map that has access or direct access to a legendary planet. So any of those objectives come out to, to score points for legendary planets, um, 
that could almost be an auto point for that that system. So again, a little bit isolated. They do have some wormholes around to fang around the board, um, but they they may become a target because of that legendary planet. Uh, Lachlan asks, what are some rules interactions you think would be helpful for new players to know, Matt? Uh, just the way that different pieces interact with each other. So between action cards and technologies, um, they each have specific things that they do. So just knowing how they sort of influence or interact with the board. So whether that's refreshing another technology, uh, whether that's um, being able to produce out of turn or, or, you know, make a ship without spending any resources, there's certain things that, that need you just sort of need to know. Um, most of that, though, is spelled out as sort of keywords in the game. Um, mm -hmm. So keywords like production uh, or action uh, are things to look out for because they sort of indicate what you're allowed to do. So I, I guess the one thing that I would say to any player, though, is that if you're not sure, just ask one of the arbiters at your table. Yeah, would, and would you be comfortable with, like, a player leaving the table to ask another arbiter if they don't want the... Like, maybe they don't want the arbiter to, to know the what question they have. Are you are you guys okay with that, or do they have to say the oh, same thing? 100%. 100%. Um, because certain questions can give away game plans especially later in the game uh, when things you know there's more units on the board or certain actions may cause a, a shift in the sort of landscape of the units available um, I think being able to step away from a table and just ask another arbiter or judge at another table is is really crucial so I'd encourage anybody if they're at a table and I'm not quite sure if you know saying anything will give away their plans please feel free to step up and find one of the other arbiters at any of the other tables and they'll be able to answer your questions very good all right uh well that does it for this week's episode of the rounds Up podcast uh dan did you want to give a shout out to the raffle and the sponsors yeah so raffle tickets are on sale um you can purchase them through the dashboard uh raffle tickets are eight for ten dollars uh three for five dollars or one for two dollars uh, all proceeds from the raffle are going towards the charity. And yeah, the charity wouldn't have been made possible without the huge support from everyone in the community, uh, including our sponsors, Games Empire, uh, Good Games, and Good Games Gosford. Uh, Good Games Gosford is a local game store on the Central Coast. Uh, it's pretty close by to the Central Coast Leagues Club where we're playing at. So if you do need any board game accessories uh definitely pop your head in there and the helpful staff will help you out and hopefully get you hooked on to more twilight imperium <laughs> awesome and with that uh we're at a time for this week's rounds are up podcast i want to thank my co-hosts matt and thanks adam Dan. Okay. Hey, hey. <laughs> and all of you for listening come find the welcoming and helpful c4 squad on our discord facebook instagram and youtube streams Links are in the show notes. Take care. Twilight Imperium well. Own the galaxy. And as we say at the end of the episode, every episode of Rounds Are Up, C4. C4. Thank you all for listening to the Rounds Are Up podcast by C4 Squad. Make sure to give us a review on your platform of choice and hope all of your roles are natty crits. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>